Hi, this is Margaret Coleman Frankowitz, and I'm coming to you today at Diabetes Survival. And earlier, or just my last episode, I did a, a list on bad foods. And, of course, I was on YouTube, and one of the suggested channels was uh, by my, one of my favorite doctors, Dr. Stein Eckberg. Um, I, I admire this guy because, you know, his second language is English, and I had no idea. And so I, I greatly admire the fact that he knows two languages, and he speaks such great English. I mean, he has an accent, but you would almost assume that he grew up in America or something, because, you know, there's a lot of foreigners who have an accent, and that's something that, the first thing that came to my mind when I first heard him. But anyways, an article came um, into my YouTube feed, and it's called Top 10 Healthy Foods That Are Killing You. And I'm like, okay, I better, I better watch this, because I just went over a list and talked a little bit about lectins and such. And Dr. Eckberg, he's he's like Mr. Genius Man as far as I'm concerned. So I, I you know, when, when he talks, I listen. My, my ears definitely perk up because I like the way that he explains things. And he does a very thorough job, probably too much so, because there's a lot of information you have to take in. And, of course, you've got to take everything in, take your notes. I mean, that's one guy where if you listen to Dr. Stein Eckberg, do yourself a favor and get a pen out and piece of paper. You're going to enjoy taking notes from what he actually gives you because out of everyone I've heard lecture, he's definitely worth um, listening to and taking notes from because he's very sincere about what he talks about. And he's, he's always spot on. And it always goes into different branches of uh, doctors or people talking about exactly what he's talking about. You know, either they're elaborating on it or they're, they're discussing it. And I have very little limited information on lectins, except don't eat tomatoes. And so, when he mentioned lectins, of course my ears perked up and I had to immediately go fish for a pen and some paper and take down some notes. Because I'm like, I gotta listen to this and I gotta make a podcast really fast because if I don't do it today... I'm going to forget a lot of the information that he actually relayed up there. And it was some pretty good advice. So um, I'm going to go over this really quickly. Or you can, if you want to, you can go to YouTube right now and type in uh, Top 10 Healthy Foods That Are Killing You by Dr. Stein Eckberg. It was, a, it was a YouTube video that he actually posted about six months ago. So, um... Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Okay, so what actually made me really perk up when he was actually going over this list is he started talking about lectins. And as you know from the previous episode, I actually dived in a little bit about lectins, but didn't go into full detail about it because, well, honestly, the doctor that actually gave the lecture on lectins, you have to pay for his talks and his diets, etc., and... He's a heart surgeon, and by all means, he's done the research on it and probably deserves all the praise for that. I forgot his name. But anyways, to actually hear another doctor talk about lectins is pretty cool because 
the Dr. Stein Eckberg, he doesn't charge for his advice. He, he just gives it freely. He's kind of like me, only I'm not a doctor. He is. And he just gives it freely to people. And he's like, you know what? I want you to help yourself. I want you to, you know, I got to practice too, but, um, he does both. So he does the lectures and he also has patients. You know what? He would be a fantastic doctor to go to, honestly. I wish he was my doctor. My doctor is okay. She just happens to listen to me a little bit too much. But, um, okay, so without further ado, I'm going to talk a little bit about lectins. So I'm going to give you the plain Jane version. And of course, if you want the more souped up version, you're going to need to type in Dr. Stein Eckberg for yourself and go to YouTube and actually check that out and I'm going to make sure to like if I can capture it I'm going to take it and post it to diabetes exercise on my Facebook page okay so I'm five about five minutes in so I, I should get to the gist of this otherwise this is going to be a long lecture and I know you just listened to my last long lecture which was a whole almost a whole hour so without further ado uh, these are the top 10 healthy foods that are killing you lectins now, a little bit about lectins. They have receptors that can increase insulin resistance. Great. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's just wonderful. Uh, something else I have to look forward to, lectins. Well, I already knew about the killer tomatoes. Like, that was... Oh, Dr. Gundry was his name. Dr. Gundry warned about the killer tomatoes. I mean, I listened to his little spiel for like an hour just trying to figure out what he was talking about and the only food that he actually gave me that had lectins in it were tomatoes that I never forgot. I didn't pay for his lecture or anything. I think it was because I was broke and I also have YouTube and I can Google all kinds of doctors so lectins weren't important at the time. But uh, my last episode, my previous episode, I actually talked about Dr. Gundry a little bit about his lectins and uh, you know they call it the food paradox I think it is he has a book called the food paradox uh, don't quote me on that one um, if you actually type in Dr. Gundry he'll go into his programs and such if you really want to dive into it but okay so these lectins have little receptors that can actually mimic the glucose in your blood and increase it and uh, so they increase insulin resistance. And they have something to do with leaky gut. And I'm going to have to totally do a different topic on that, a different podcast, because I know very little about leaky gut so far. Um, it sounds like some, a topic I definitely need to actually study up on. But okay, without further ado, top 10 healthy foods, so lectins is what he's going into and these are some of the products I'm going to just go over the list really quickly and then I'm going to go over um, why each one is what it is so number one which is actually number 10 actually so I'm going based in order this would actually be number 10 is oils like soy, corn, and canola now he says soy is a bean Corn is a grain, believe it or not. I didn't know that either. And canola is a seed. So all of these actually create insulin resistance. Um, There are certain people who have allergies to certain oils, which actually cause inflammation. 
and of course uh, soy is from what I remember him saying actually uh, is hard to digest so that was interesting that was a whole bunch of information I didn't know I didn't know anything about this so I'm really glad that I actually reviewed that today Number two, alcohol. They say it's good in very limited quantities, but you definitely don't want to go over in excess. There's some people that just have allergic reactions to it. Um, and a lot of that, those allergic reactions have something to do with inflammation. Number three is nightshades. In nightshades, he actually had pictures of like peppers and stuff in it. And he said a lot of them don't, people don't have necessarily have allergic reactions, but some people do have. Okay? Um, Actually, that would be 10, 9, 8. So, nightshade was number 8. Alcohol was number 9. Number 7 would be dried fruit, and he actually added yogurt raisins. Raise your hands if you ever had yogurt raisins. I'm raising my hand, by the way. I love yogurt raisins! I don't eat them all the time. I mean, it's been years since I've had them, but I, you know, they're, I thought they were healthy for you. Come to find out, they're not healthy for you. And if you're laughing at me right now because you knew, shame, you know, whatever. Um, the yogurt raisins are 66% sugar, 77% net carbs. So that's huge. I, I, I'm not, well, over 100, but I'm not, I don't get the 66%. But that's what he actually said, so I wrote it down. Um, and to make matters worse, as if that wasn't enough, between 66% sugar and 77% net carbs, then they coat it with additional sugar on top of that. So, cross this off, off your list. Don't get it for your kids. Don't get it for yourself. Just get rid of it. You don't need it. You're diabetic. Okay? Um, then there's fructose. Toxic to the liver. Number... Number six was agave syrup. He said that he had patients coming in all the time saying, Oh, well, I heard about this agave syrup and it's good for me. And he's like, No, it's not. Get rid of it. So he says that it's 60 to 90% fructose. And as you know, fructose is bad for you. Okay, number five would be beans and legumes. I know there's a lot of disappointed people now because some people just love their beans and get chili. But here's what he has to say, okay, the soy, as I mentioned before, hard to digest. And you have peanuts. Peanuts, a lot of people are actually allergic to, if you can't eat them, you know, God loves you, obviously. Peanuts are, are great, just a little snack. Um, I can have peanuts, but in limited quantities, because I do have my allergic reactions, too. I know what they do to my body. Horrible. And so I won't have more than a handful. Um, the next thing is... Well, that was just it, soy peanuts. But um, they're also high in lectins. Now, he did mention there are certain ways that you can cook these lectins out. But he didn't go into a lot of detail about that. And that's something probably Dr. Gundry has. Because you know, he has a special paradox book. And then you pay for like the special ways you can actually prepare certain foods. And they have to be prepared a certain way, too, because if you don't, then you're not cooking up the lectins, and then you're risking it, I guess. 
Okay, so number three on the list. One, two, three. So I only got three more. I played it this way. Okay, beans and legumes was number four. Or one, two, three, four. Yeah. So number three on the list is corn. So for you corn lovers, I'm really sorry, but it's hard to digest. And anybody who's ever seen corn pass right through them knows this. As you're looking in the toilet looking at these pieces of corn that never digested, you're kind of wondering why your body hates corn so much. And why you're eating something that your body hates. So, corn's bad. And again, he calls corn a grain, which I would have never guessed. It's high in starch and leptins. It's a common allergen. It's hard to digest. And... Okay, all corn is now genetically modified. It's not good. So that's the reason why it's on the list. Okay, number two kind of shocked me. Skim milk. I'm like, no, not my skim milk. Now, um, skim milk I'm thinking of is powdered. But the, the reason why he has a problem with skim milk is because it's not... Well, when he has a problem with pasteurization general because it kills off all kinds of good enzymes and such. But there's no fat to buffer the sugar that's in there because again, when you're drinking skim milk because they've taken the fat out, what they do is they add a lot of sugar back into a product so you'll actually drink it. Otherwise, nobody would be drinking skim milk. My goodness, it tastes like water. There's no flavor to it. It's horrible. So the sugar does help to go down a little bit more. Um, And number one on the list, which a lot of few people who thought I was crazy for saying uh, wheat is bad for you. Well, number one is wheat. And so I did not know this pre before, you know, I did the last episode. I did say white or wheat doesn't matter if it's bad for you. But the wheat you put on there, it's, it's very bad. It's a high starch, has lots of lectins, it's an allergen. There's nothing good when it comes to wheat. I'm sorry, people, but you know what? It's not made for human consumption. And there, there was something on here, too, where you said meat. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, it was somewhere on the list. I'm not quite sure why I didn't write it down, probably because I was in shock and awe. It's like, no, not my meat. But yeah, meats are on the list for lectins, too. And one of the re- there's there's good meats, though, and bad meats. Um, like, like the meats that he suggests, like salmon, is get the wild caught. Salmon, don't go for the farm-raised. And when it comes to cows or eating beef, you want grass-fed beef, not necessarily grain-fed beef. And the reason what he, the reason why is he suggests that whatever the cow ate, whether they ate the grain or they ate grass, you're consuming the cow that's actually consumed that. So that's what you're eating. Very interesting. Whatever the cow ate, you're putting into your body as well. So obviously, if you're allergic to grains, you don't want your cow eating grains. You're gonna eat your cows, right? Okay, so that was a little lecture on, or a little brief introduction into lectins. And lectins is something that I'm still actually learning a little bit about. Some of my behavioral changes that I'm probably going to change here in the near future is the fact that. One, I want to cook all my own foods. I don't want to go out to eat unless I know that it's now um, 
grass-fed beef that I'm actually receiving. See, a lot of times we go to restaurants, we have no idea how the meat got to the table. I mean, we see the waiter bringing it out of the waitress, right? But we don't know what that cow ate. And all the certifications of anybody in the kitchen. I mean, I want to cook my own foods, right? I want to know what the cow ate before it was slaughtered and, uh, you know, butchered, packaged, put into the, the store, shipped off to wherever, or me shipping it off to my home or whatever, and then putting it on, cooking it and put it on my table. I want to know what that cow ate. I think anybody would. Because I'm actually ingesting whatever that cow did. And it's kind of interesting when you start thinking about certain animals and what they eat. Chickens, too. And whatever the chicken's eating, basically you're eating as well. So that's one reason why you want free-range eggs. However, one thing that he didn't go into, and something that I learned a long time about, about which I was a little bit dumbfounded by, is uh, they don't really have strict requirements on free-range eggs here in the U.S., so they could have like the little door, rooster door open, but none of the chickens are actually released or walking around or anything. They can still call that cage free. I don't get that. So um, I got a little bit of homework myself to do. I mean, this is actual footwork where I got to go out there. I got to find the grass-fed beef, and then I got to do a cost evaluation. And now I understand why portion control is so important because honestly, this does not be um, a cheap adventure. This, sound, this is not something you can just go to the dollar store and get. This is something that you gotta go to like a specialty shop or like one of those natural wholesome grocery store chains and actually spend some real money on the meat that you're going to purchase. So this is a little bit disturbing, but I did learn a few things. Um, I learned that I have more research to do and I have to study lectins because if I'm going to live a long time, 120, I, mean, I have to do everything I know in my power to make my health as, as good as I can. That way I can live a long time. So, you know, that's important to me. But one of the easiest things that I can do right now, even if I can't control the diet that I have to eat, um, let's say I don't have access to any of these foods or anything, one of the things that I can do, one of the things that I can control is my portion size. So if I can't do anything else, if I can't afford the grass-fed beef or staying away from certain oils, which, by the way, I do use olive oil. And he did sort of have that on the list, but not really, because it's like way down at the bottom, and it's not as um, dangerous as the soy corn oil, for instance, or the canola. Um, I was kind of surprised by the canola oil on the list, though, because it was number three. Canola oil, of course, is from seed. And I've always been told by my health buff friends that canola oil is perfectly fine. And come to find out, it's probably not as good as I thought it was. I probably want to stick to olive oils. Um, and not to mention, makes great dressings with balsamic vinegar. And um, olive oil is good for a lot of different purposes. So if you can get the real stuff. Now, there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, oil snobs, I like to call them. 
that say that uh, a lot of the olive oils that we actually get in the store aren't even really olive oils. So that's a whole nother ball game. I mean, you kind of wonder where your olive oil's from and if you can actually trust it. I was told one time always buy the glass bottles, and then I was told that it's glass or if it's plastic, it's all fake. When you buy it at Walmart, it's only like $3 a bottle. And they're just supposed to spend like expensive amounts of money on, or copious amounts of money on olive oil for it to be the true product. And that it goes bad. I mean, it should have an expiration date on there because it goes bad pretty fast too, from what I've heard. I don't know if that's true or not. So there's a lot of fallacies actually surrounding the whole olive oil market. Very suspicious. Not a lot I can do about that. So um, I think one of the, the topics that I'm going to be exploring a little bit more on is the lectins. And if... If, if lectins actually increase insulin resistance, then it's very important to all of us to actually know a little bit more about lectins and what we can do to control them. So as you can see, my podcast and me researching this for 10 years and, and you know, being studious about learning more about diabetes and uh, what steps that I can take to actually better manage my diabetes. This has opened up a whole can of worms that I never even knew existed. And it's it's blowing my mind, honestly. I'm kind of glad I started about 10 years ago to actually start researching this because this is an adventure here. Learning about your diabetes is an adventure. Everybody has their own little stories. And, um, I remember, this was probably a year and a half ago, but I had, I had a lady, I had brought up something about type 2 and keto, and this is what I was kind of new to keto, didn't know much about it, but I had heard a lot of doctors on YouTube raving about keto. And so I heard about fat bombs and about certain keto breads. And I was excited about it. I was excited that I could actually bread again because um, I thought I was going to have to eliminate it out of my diet. Then boom, here it is, keto. You can make your own bread and be satisfied. You don't have to actually go without breads because, you know, you don't want it to reach blood sugar. And I had a type 1 diabetic. She asked to inject. She's a young kid. She's in her 20s. Probably late 20s. I'd assume. And her numbers were just absolutely off all over the place. And she told me. She's, she's just mad. I was talking about keto to somebody how I was losing weight. And I was. I was losing a lot of weight at the time. And she looked me up and down and she just gave me this dirty look and she said, Keto doesn't work. Keto is not guaranteed to work on diabetics. And my jaw just dropped. Here I am telling this other girl how well I was actually doing on keto and this other, you know, and how I've been able to drop my diabetes numbers. And this other girl's just totally berating me about how I couldn't control my diabetes with the diet alone. And so I explained to her that I was a type 2 diabetic, and she doesn't know anything about type 2 diabetes. She knows about type 1. And it was just totally over her head that I had partial control over my pancreas. At least for now, I have partial control. I haven't lost all the control for it. 
and how I can actually lose weight and control my diabetes through diet. And maybe she was just jealous or something. I, I don't know. I, I felt kind of sorry for her because, uh, you know, of course she has to inject and she's having issues with her numbers. And she sounds like a lot of type 1 diabetics that I've heard where they think they got it under control and they get a sort of whole out and start over again because then their body just starts rejecting it again. And, you know, I just shook my head. I'm just like, you know, I felt sorry for her because there's no advice that I can share with a type 1 diabetic. I mean, they can definitely share their information with me and... I'm very receptive to it because their advice does work for the most part until they start talking about vegan diets when they start talking about vegan diets and I gotta like stop them because there's no way I'm going on a vegan diet I'm not going to become a vegetarian there's a reason no I'm not going to become a vegetarian or a vegan and there's a reason for that the reason is is because my body requires the meat products for the vitamins, hormones that it actually has in it. So, uh, and now I know I need grass-fed. I never knew the importance of grass-fed up until now. And, um, still don't fully understand it, so I still might actually have regular ground beef on occasion. But this is a preempt to what's to come and how I can actually optimize my health. And I'm excited about that. So, with that being said, um, I'm about 25 minutes in. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope this is informative and that you do your own research on this. And I'm curious, maybe you've been on grass-fed beef already. Go ahead and leave me a comment in Diabetes Aware or Diabetes and Exercise on my Facebook page. Um, or if you can't find me there, just email me, margaretrico2015 at gmail.com. I can send you links and stuff like that. And I'd be, be more than happy to help explore any of these topics with you. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Be kind to each other. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.